All right, we continue with how what Danny's been doing, and we're going to look at Mark, which is our Bible readings for this this year, right now, and we're going to back up to last week, and a couple of things. There is actually a miracle that was in uh, Mark from last week that occurs in every gospel. So to me, that would say it's kind of important, and that they want us to know about it. Okay. So let's look at Mark chapter 6. The first part of chapter 6, Jesus has sent out the 12 apostles and told them not to take anything with them and to go out, and if people don't accept them, to knock the dust off their feet and leave them. Okay? And so they said they cast out many demons, anointed with oil, and many who were sick, they healed them. So they come back, and in the meantime, uh, Herod kills John the Baptist. And you know all the story about that, where uh, Herod's stepdaughter uh, asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter, and he got it, and he went and did that. Now, one of the Gospels says that Jesus knew about this. The others don't mention that, but he was going to take the disciples off into the country to give them some rest too because they had been busy. They had been doing things as well, ministering, healing. Uh, they were tired, I'm sure, okay? So let's look, start, we'll start in chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming out and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Uh, can you imagine? They were so bombarded with people, they didn't even have time to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they got there and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Apparently, as they got in the boat, it was near shore on one end of the lake or whatever, and they could see them going, so they just ran around and got to the other side when they got there. And so they were there waiting on them when they got there. And uh, when they went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You know, Jesus went to rest, and he looks, and there are these people that are in need. So what does he do? He begins to teach. Now, have you ever wondered, I mean, this, this, we're going to find out later, this was a crowd of probably 20,000 people, 5,000 men and then families. How, do, how was he heard? How did they all hear him? You ever wondered about that? That's got to be a miracle in itself, doesn't it? I mean, he didn't have elaborate sound systems and stuff like we have. So he was there teaching and these people were hearing, and they were listening, and they were totally absorbed in what he was saying. And he said, when, uh, when he went ashore, he saw them, and he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, <laughs> began to teach, teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Said, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages, and buy themselves something to eat. So this is one day, okay? Uh, and, and it's late in the day. They said, send them to get something to eat. 
Jesus said, now nah, you give them something to eat. Now you are a disciple and you're standing there, what do you think? What's your first thought? When you're looking around and you're seeing 5,000 men plus who knows how many more, it'd be like us bringing the whole city of Sal Tully in to eat supper tonight and said, David, come up with the food. be kind of difficult, wouldn't it? Think about that. And he said, they said, well, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Now, Mark doesn't tell us who says that. Gospel of John tells us who says that. It was Philip. He says, hey, we go out and we... What, what was a denarii in that time? How much was that? Whole day's wages. So we're talking about 200 days wages. And that, would, that probably wouldn't have really fed them, would it? Would have given them a little something but it really wouldn't have satisfied them, okay? We said, well, what do you got? And uh, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Now, these weren't the big giant sandwich loaves either, okay? More like maybe a size of a hamburger bun, okay? And two fish. Now, that wasn't a big 50-pound catfish either, okay? Probably a little small fish. Now, it was raw fish, right? No, it was probably pickled or preserved or something of the sort. That's the only way they could carry it around. Now, Mark, again, doesn't tell us how they got the fish and how they got the loaves. But John does. And what was it? Little boy. Little boy brought his lunch, we think. But there are some other possibilities because we'll get into this in a minute. But uh, we'll talk about that. But anyway, it was what he had. And it was all he had. And that's something that we need to think about too. He brought what? Everything he had. Okay? And he said to them, and then he commanded them all to sit down on groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. I think it's one of the other Gospels says they sat in 50 groups of 100. Doesn't matter. They sat down together in groups, okay? And um, so they went down in groups, and he taken the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Now, what does this say about us and maybe... What we ought to do before we eat. We should, shouldn't we? We ought to pray and give thanks. Doesn't matter where we are. We ought to thank God for what he's done and ask him to bless that food. So, said they were all, they all ate and what? Were satisfied. Think about it. It's kind of like maybe one of these Baptist meetings. You know, you go and you got the potluck, and boy, everybody eats, and they're sitting back. I'm so full, you know. I've had all I can eat. I don't want any more. But guess what? There's leftovers. Now, what does that say about the way God provides for us? He provides not only what we need, but a lot of times a lot more than we need or a lot more than we expect. Not, you know, he promises what we need, Right? And then they took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. 
and those who and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. And again, if you interpolate that out, most commentators, most scholars seem to think there could have been up to twenty thousand people there that were fed. Five loaves and two fish. That just doesn't even sound possible, does it? I mean it's just is it beyond your imagination, beyond what you can even fathom? I mean, you think about Jesus taking this and just starts breaking it, you know, and putting it in now. Here's another question. Where did they get the baskets? You ever thought about it? Well, did they just appear? Did, did the, Jesus start putting them in something and there's a basket? Well, the little boy had a basket probably, okay, that he had his lunch in, he had this in. They said possibly... One explanation might be there were villages around because he said send them out to these villages. Okay? Let them go. Maybe some of the people from the villages were coming in and bringing food going to try to sell it. You know, maybe they were coming in and saying, oh, we'll, we'll make some money on this crowd. They saw 20,000 people, you know? Don't know if that happened or not. It's possible. But what if it did happen? If they brought 12 baskets with them and maybe they, they'd emptied them and what did they go home with? Twelve full baskets. So even that, okay? Now, you're, you're one of the apostles or the disciples, and you're walking around and you're looking and you're seeing all this food and, and it's, you, you're passed out to everybody and all of a sudden, here you are taking it up and there's 12 baskets. Now, how big were the baskets, you think? Well... There's two different baskets mentioned. We're going to talk about the 4,000 in a minute. But it's two different baskets. This basket would have been like a small basket, like you, would, you could carry with you easily, like for your lunch or something. And so that's what these baskets would represent, the, the, if you go back to the original language. So it's that kind of basket. So it's not something huge. So they're carrying them around. They pick them up. They bring them back. Now, is there a significance in the number 12? Hmm? Yeah, 12 tribes, 12 apostles, disciples, maybe. But would it have mattered if it was 11 baskets? That 12 is a number of perfection, okay, in the Bible, and we know that. So there, there may have been a reason for that. It doesn't tell us that, okay? But point is... Every one of the disciples had a full basket. Full. Not half full, but full. It says they were all full. Okay? So, they, they do those things, and, wow, what did they do with it then? We don't know what they did with that food. Did they take it with them? Because each one of them would have had a basket. Maybe. Or did they leave it there for those folks? Maybe the the guys that had the baskets, maybe they had some people had baskets. Say, hey, it's yours. It's your basket. Take it with you. But what did they do then? Well, they got, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, which means uh, fishing village, by the way. And then he dismissed the crowd. And after he'd taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And they saw they were making headway painfully, 
for the wind was against them in about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it's I. Don't be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. And here's the next one. For they did not understand about their loaves, but their hearts were hardened. They still didn't get it. Now we think, and, and the word I use a lot of times is blockheads. They watched Jesus feed all these people with five loaves and two fishes, and they didn't get it. They got worried because they were in the boat and it was blowing a little bit. They didn't think Jesus could take care of that. I mean, he had just made food from almost nothing to feed 20,000 people. But he couldn't take care of that. What do you think? But are we any different? Do, do we depend on Jesus or do we just kind of say, okay? We know the end of the story and we still do the same thing, don't we? We're not, we're not any different than them. We like to think we are, but are we really? So, there's something that's left out of this narrative in Mark. Anybody know what it is? Something we talk about a lot, usually. Everybody's looking like, huh, what? If you go back, I believe it's in Matthew, somebody walks on the water. It's old Peter. Well, why is that not listed in Mark, you think? Why, is it, why does Mark not mention it? Okay. Mark was not a disciple. We all know that. Okay. He was a follower of Peter, or one of his right-hand men. So a lot of what Mark's saying here, most people think, came from Peter. So he probably would not have said, eh, I got it and walked on the water. You know, that would have been kind of braggadocious, wouldn't it? And he probably wouldn't have done that. Now, what about Matthew? Was he a disciple? He was, wasn't he? So he was there. Well, what about Luke? Was he a disciple? No. Who was he a, who was he a cohort with? Anybody know? Paul, wasn't it? Okay. So he was a cohort with Paul. So he was not necessarily there. Paul wasn't there. So what Paul was helping Luke with, maybe, you know, we don't know. Uh, he didn't see it. So then the other one is John. Now, was he a disciple? He was, wasn't he? So we have two eyewitness accounts, okay? And so if we go back and we look at the eyewitness accounts, we would take those into account to saying they were more complete, possibly, right? Now, because Mark didn't include everything, that means that the Bible's all messed up and it's, it's all, something's wrong, right? No, not at all. It means that he saw it through his eyes or through Peter's eyes. Peter, you know, the other thing is they don't mention the little boy brought his lunch. Well, you know, Peter might not even have been there when the little boy brought his lunch up. You know, Jesus told him to go sit him down somewhere. Well, he might have been out helping people get 
organized and sat down. You know, he might not have been right there when that happened. You know, we don't know. Apparently John was because he mentioned it, okay? So he said something about it. But because the, they differ a little, a lot of that could be through the perspective of the people's eyes who actually see it, couldn't it? Now, if, if we all saw the same thing, say something happened outside and we all watched it, would we all say it would happen the same way? We wouldn't, would we? Uh, how many times have you seen that happen? Well, I know this, but this other person from another angle saw something different. So it depends on what they saw and where they were. And that doesn't say the Bible's not true. That doesn't say the Bible's not, um, can't be depended on. It's nothing to do with that, does it? It just means that it's a different person. And then in chapter 7, he starts talking about traditions and commandments and talks about uh, washing. Pharisees gathered and they were all concerned because they weren't washing everything like they're supposed to be. And he talks to them about that. And then Jesus said, what defiles a person is not what's on the outside, but what? What's inside. What comes out of a person is what defiles the person, not what goes in. So basically, Jesus said food was okay, right, at that point. So you can eat and everything's fine. Then there was a Sinophoenician woman, or Syrophoenician woman. Now, who was she? She was a Gentile, was she not? And she came and asked if her daughter could be cleaned of an unclean spirit. And Jesus basically said, well, why would we do that? I'm here for these other people, okay, basically. Uh, he said, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, why would he call this woman a dog? Or, I mean, he really didn't, but he just he was using a, 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 a picture. But did the Jews not think the Gentiles were dogs? That's how they referred to them, wasn't it? Because they, they didn't think they counted. They weren't, what you know, anything that mattered. And then she turns around and says, but even the dogs get the crumbs under the children's table. And Jesus just said, wow, look at her faith. Because of this, your child is healed. She went home and what happened? The demon was gone. Then Jesus comes and he heals a deaf man and took him aside and put his finger in his ears and um, after spitting, he touched his tongue. Now, that sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? But they basically it was kind of a sign language because Jesus was indicating to him since he couldn't hear what he was going to do because he couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. Okay, So he was going to do that. And he said he looked to heaven and says, be opened. His ears was opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And he said, don't tell anybody. But the more they charged them to not tell anybody, the more they told them. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he's done all things well, even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So they're seeing what's happening. And then in chapter 8, <clears throat> another feeding. Now, Interestingly enough, only two Gospels include this one, and that's Matthew and Mark. So, 
We know it was separate because of some things that we'll see. In those days, again, a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on this crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. How many of us would go sit and listen to somebody teach for three days and not eat? Anybody here want to volunteer? I mean, you have to think about Jesus teaching. It had to have just grabbed you and wouldn't let you go, basically. Okay? Said, uh, if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? He said, well, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven, and a few small fish. Now, it was five before, wasn't it? Now, it's seven. And instead of two fish, he just says a few small fish. So he directed them to sit down on the ground, took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these should also be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. Now, are these the same baskets? I already gave you a hint of that. They're not. These baskets were big baskets. Remember when Paul was let down off the, the outside the off the, through the window with a, in a basket? That's this kind of basket. Had to be big enough for a man. That's a big basket. That's a lot of pieces left over. Okay? And they were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. Again, 4,000 people, here it says, but then it said in another place, 4,000 men. So that means how many people might have been there? Maybe 16,000 people. If you count women and children. Wow. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples, and went to the district of Balmuthia. It's interesting that both times, immediately after he fed them, what did he do? Either he put his disciples in their boat or he got in a boat. Sent them away. And then the Pharisees demand a sign, said to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, what does this generation seek a sign? No sign will be given to this generation. He left them and got in the boat again and went to the other side. The leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. He talks about, if you're going to make bread, what do you do? You have to put some kind of leavening agent in it, right? Now, if you put leavening in plain flour, it changes it, doesn't it? It's different, okay? And that's what he's talking about. He said, watch out, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. <clears throat> and they begin discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Here they are in the boat. They had just seen 5,000 people fed just maybe a few days before. Then they just seen 4,000 people fed, and they're worried about not having any bread. Now, what about that? Seems a little ironic, doesn't it? I mean, why are they worried about that? Do they not know that Jesus can take care of them? Can he not do what he said he would do? 
And he says, Having eyes do you not see, and having ears you do not hear. Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said, 12. And for the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, seven. Don't you understand yet? Don't you get it? Now, again, are we any different? God provides. He gives us all these things. And we look around and think, oh, where's this going to happen? What's this going to come? Where am I going to get this? You know, God, I need it. Do we not ever depend on him and just say, God, here it is. I want to I read you a story. You're going to get out earlier than normal. I'm sorry. Y'all complain about that, won't you? Okay. Anybody ever heard of a man by the name of George Mueller? Some of you have. I know my class has because we use him a lot. George Mueller uh, became a Christian as a teenager, probably, and he decided he would go to college. And he didn't have any money. And he thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do something. You know what? I better turn my phone off. I just realized mine's on. And he said, okay, I don't have any money, but I'm going to do something that I think is kind of silly. I'm going to pray about it. Got on his knees and prayed. The next day, a professor came to him and offered him a work-study program so he can go to school. How about that? Answered that prayer. But here's one, one instance I want, you, I want to read you because I think this says so much to us. How about we worry, we worry, just like the disciples were worried about what's going to happen. The children are dressed and ready for school. By the way, he ran an orphanage. That's what he did. He ran an orphanage, and this, this is how he depended on God. Children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them set the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. There's no food there, remember? George knew that God would provide food for the children as he always did. And by the way, this is not the first time this happened, okay? There's so many different times that he would do that, and he just depended on God. When he went to his first church even, you know, they weren't going to pay him well because, and, and, and y'all get this now, it wasn't a Baptist church, okay? Because the well-to-do people paid to sit up front, Okay? And they paid good money to sit up front, and the rest of the folks had to sit in the back, okay? Not like us Baptists who all want to sit in the back. We might pay good money to sit in the back, reckon? So anyway, he said, no, I won't come under those circumstances. And he said, you don't even have to pay me. But you know, his family never did without. They never missed a meal. They never didn't pay their bills. Okay. So anyway, they're sitting at the table. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food to the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. 
Somehow I knew you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I'll bring it in. Now, how's that for depending on God? Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. His milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk. It was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. Now, what about that? You think that you have enough faith to depend on God that way? You know, we, we, we talk about the disciples and what they saw, and, you know, they should have seen all this, but do we ever look around and realize how much God has blessed us and what he does each day for us, and we forget to even thank him? We don't say thank you. We don't do anything, and do we depend on God like we should? You know, he's willing and able. You know, he's waiting. You ever heard the story about uh, the guy went to heaven and there was this big room and he could see all these boxes on the wall and, and said, what's in those boxes? And he said, you don't really want to go there. You, you, you don't want to do it. He said, no, I got to know. And he just kept on and kept on. You know, they toured him heaven. He said, I got to go back. I got to see what. And he said, notice there was names on all the boxes. He said, I got a box in there. Yeah, but you don't want to see it. So they go back, and they finally he finds his box, and he pulls it out, sets it down, and opens it up. And guess what was in that box? It was all those blessings that God wanted to give him, but he never asked for. He never prayed about. He never said, hey. So do we do, do, we do like the disciples and just worry? Instead of asking God. So, do you think he could feed the 4,000 and the 5,000? If he can do that, can he take care of us? I think so. Can he take care of our church? I think so. You know, do we need to depend on him? You know, not that he's not going to use us to give and to do things that need to be done. Because we're what? We're his ambassadors. We're his hands and feet and mouth. And we're to tell others. But let's go and let's tell others. Let's tell them what God's done for us. Because that's what it's all about. Isn't it? You think the disciples thought later, wow, you know, I remember when he did this. Because he was preparing them for what? Him to be crucified. And they didn't get it yet. They didn't really get it. And we, as we move on, we see that later. So, let's not be like the disciples. Let's, let's try to be a little more in tune with God and not as blinded by things around us. You know, we get caught up with those things. So let's work together. Let's pray. And let's thank God for everything he does for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, for your many blessings, for this time when we can come together and study your word. And Father, thank you for these examples you've given us. Lord, it's just, it's so humbling for us to see and watch the disciples and think, oh, they, they just didn't know the end of the story, but Father, we do, and we do the same thing. So Father, just help us that we will 
totally depend on you and that we will listen and that we will be aware of what you're doing in our lives, Father. Sometimes we don't even see it and things are happening around us and we don't realize. And you're taking care of us. And we just thank you for that. Take care of our church now. Be with all that's here. Father, give us safety. Father, bring us back again Sunday. Also, be with us next week as we serve South Hollow, Father. May it be a great week of telling others about you, and they'll see your love through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.